blackscholarspublishing.com that uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there. independent independence independence is a beautiful thing i love all of the podcasts out there for educators for creatives creators artists i love it i created this platform so we can talk about things that matter since we are a underrepresented, overlooked, underappreciated demographic within a bigger demographic or a subculture that's not really, we don't get the love we deserve. I'm delighted to be able to do this episode on self-care. I think it's important. I know it's important. And I'm able to have two educators, one all the way out in Denver, Colorado, one all the way out in London, Britain, the United Kingdom, and I'm in good old Memphis, Tennessee. We combine similar minds and discuss self-care, and we really go into depth. I like the ability to go into depth. On an issue. We don't cover the whole spectrum. But we really hone in on. Mental health. We hone in on. The importance of therapy. We talk about the importance of meal prep and exercise. You have to have your nutrition right. You have to be exercising your body. You have to be exercising your mind and make sure your mind is in mint condition in order for you to do the day-to-day work that we have to do to be highly effective educators. And I talk about it on this show and I'll reiterate it here. There is a clear difference between teachers and educators. If you listen to episode number one, fast forward all the way to episode number 23, I rarely say the word teacher. I'm not doing this for teachers. I didn't write a book for teachers. This podcast is not for teachers. This is for black educators. And because it's for black educators, it does not mean that if you are not black and you're an educator, that you don't get something from the show. I'm not here to be divisive. I'm just supporting a group that, again, is severely underrepresented, 
overlooked and undervalued. I love you all. Follow me on Instagram at the Black Scholars Podcast. Twitter, I'm at Black Scholar O-N-L, which is short for online. Follow me on Facebook at the Black Scholars Podcast. So www.fb.com forward slash backslash one of those. The Black Scholars Podcast. Join the private group there. Go to blackscholarspublishing.com. Purchase a Black Scholars t-shirt. Go on Amazon. Purchase my book. Becoming a highly effective black educator. I also got some other stuff that I'm cooking. I got another book in the works. It's going to talk about finances for black and brown educators. I got some giveaways going on. Got some contests going on. We're doing big things. And to let you know, this is going to be um, episode one of self-care. So we got a short self-care miniseries. Two episodes. Check out episode 23. Thank you. Thank you for being great. Thank you for everything. All right. Welcome, ladies, to the Black Scholars Podcast. Uh, This is episode 23. Excited to have you guys on. I have with me Jalen Jenkins, who teaches 10th grade chemistry. Uh, She is located in Denver, Colorado, and she is in her fifth year teaching or going into her fifth year teaching. Yes. Correct. Mm -hmm. All right. Perfect. Yep. Uh, Welcome to the show. I also have with me Lane Marie Dayani. Yes. Okay. All right. Notice the infliction there was confusion. I want to make sure I got it right. So Lane Marie, she is a high school teacher who teaches French, personal development and mental health. She is uh, with us from the UK. She's in London. This is her sixth year going into her sixth year teaching. Also her ninth year in education. And Lane, uh, you used to be a teaching assistant, correct? Yes, I was. Yeah. Same here. I was a teaching assistant or they also call them a paraprofessional. I really don't know the difference between the two. Maybe they're synonymous. I'm not really sure. It depends Um, where you are. Okay. Um, paraprofessionals, like I kind of on the West Coast, are known as like special education support, and then education assistant just covers the cross the gamut. From what I've understood. Ah, okay. Well, then I think I was a parapro because I was working in special education. Um, I actually started yeah. out in a self-contained classroom, so mm. paraprofessional. All right. So for episode twenty-three, our topic of discussion is self-care. Um, going into this new school year, um, as I reflect, um, almost a year of this show, um, the different guests that I've spoke with, connected with from different states and districts and across, uh, curriculum, um, different educators that I meet or just talk to on social media, um, self-care seems to be a topic of concern, um, for nearly everyone. And I was doing some research and it stated, according to an October 2018 report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it's estimated that over 270,000 teachers are projected to leave classrooms across the United States each year. 
And Lane, you were saying earlier that you're seeing this in the UK as well? Yes, we are. People are leaving the profession. Uh, it's a huge exodus and we're not able to replace teachers as quickly as they leave. So we've got a big shortage at the moment. Now, quick question. This is kind of off topic. Are are there any programs that have been established there to address that teacher shortage? Um, <laughs> yes, but it's it's politicians. They yeah. they try things out. Like so, what they do now is they pay for people to go to university and ha- get a degree in the in the big ones that are missing. So um, English, math, science, and the languages. But the only problem is people go to university and they get their degree and they do a year or two of teaching and then they go off somewhere else so if they've done science they might go into you know I don't know some kind of pharmaceutical course or something like that so they just use it to launch their um, you know their education for free so now the the, um, the government wants to try new things and try to give a lot of money and incentives for people to stay but that's not the issue i don't think money is the issue if if money was then you know we wouldn't be there because there's not enough money anyway i think it's more about looking after us listening to us um try to provide for the kids and giving us more resources more time and, and really considering us professionals because we're not really well i mean we are but we're not listened to and i think that's the issue but the government, unfortunately, is not really paying attention to that. Valid, valid points made. And and looking at this research, you know, you hit on one, a lack of resources. Uh, also add to that uh, stressful student teacher ratio. Um, you know, this past school year, um, as I, w- I was telling you guys, my seventh grade um, uh, peers or colleagues in science and social studies um, were you know, literally teaching 35 to 40 kids per class. Um, And when you're doing that all day with a 25 minute, you know, lunch break in between and, you know, you get a little bit of a planning period, you know, unless that's going to be, you know, taken over by a PLC or the principal needs to see you or something's going on. um, It's just, it's not, it's too much. It's too much. Um, also, standardized testing is an issue where, you know, no one's supposed to teach the test. But if you don't focus on the kids doing well on the test, you know, let's be honest, education has become a business. And just like any other business, they're looking at the bottom line. So if you're not effective in that classroom, you will either lose your job, you will be moved to a different, you know, non-tested area or school or, you know, there's a lot that could happen if kids aren't performing well on standardized tests. So obviously, educators, we feel the the the, the uh, pressure of standardized testing um, also, which leads to burnout, student behavior, um, or I'd like to say misbehavior and the ineffective administrations. Um, Also, I'm going to add on there, uh, teachers not feeling like they're making a difference. uh, So they grow apathetic. They just kind of feel like it doesn't matter. You know, if you have a student that's constantly misbehaving, you've reached out to parents, the kid's still misbehaving, they're not doing anything at home, you know, you write them up, you know, they get suspended or get uh, in school suspension for a day or two, they come back, 
they might be fine for that day or two, but then they're back to their old ways soon after. And it just kind of feels like a cycle that, you know, can't be broken. So it's kind of understandable why some educators may feel apathetic toward uh, K through 12 education, specifically public school education. And let's just be honest, teachers are tired. Um, I was telling you guys, you know, this past school year, um, and I'm in the process of actually switching schools. You know, I was um, a gifted teacher. So I taught uh, the gifted students um, through English. I also was their case manager, so I had to do all of their sped paperwork, whether it was an IEP, a reevaluation, um, a functional behavior assessment. I was there for everything. Um, so I was doing two jobs in one, being underpaid for both. Um, not like I was getting paid for both. Um, also, I was learning coach. Didn't get paid well for that. I did homebound teaching. Didn't get paid really well for that. I mean, when you combine everything, it's like, hey, I'm doing okay for myself. But, you know, how much work did I have to actually do just to receive something um, that we would even consider to be reasonable pay? And, um, you know, it was a lot of work. So, honestly, I, one of my self-care tactics was leaving my current school, going to a whole new district with uh, better pay. Uh, I get to do less work. I get to sleep for an additional hour. And, um, you know, hopefully everything else just pans out and it'll be a positive move for me. But right now I feel very positive about it. But, you know, not all teachers can do that. Not all educators should do that because, um, you know, sometimes that's not an option. And sometimes it's just not realistic for you to leave your school um, simply because you are tired. Instead, there needs to be um, some type of something. Um, and so the topic of today's show really is going to be self-care. So, um, ladies, if you'd like to jump in and, um, you know, have you guys ever experienced anything with burnout? Have you seen it in your colleagues and what, what did you do or what did they do to kind of overcome that? Several things. Um, I had a similar situation to you about a year ago. Um, I'm sure it was all in the news, um, but my district and, you know, I was a part of the red for ed movement in arizona and that was a result of burnout and like insufficient funds and stuff along those lines so we took the political um road in a sense and basically i don't want to misspeak and say it was a strike but it was similar to a strike and we were out of school for 10 days um but in that we had to really search and find other avenues to really um de-stress in a sense so for me um, the gym has always been something that I can always lean on. Um, health is very important to me, um, from diet or like what I consume, um, to how I treat my body. And I try to, you know, show that to my students as well. Um, and that's like one of my main things, um, that I need to take care of. And so when I was in Phoenix, um, I was noticing just not necessarily my mental health, but to a degree, my mental health was being affected by so much stress and all the this pressure of um, the education system. So I decided to go to where I wanted to be in the first place. And I moved back to Denver and it's been a great move. There's still stresses, you know, but um, there's some things you have to reflect on and prioritize to then make the best move for you. So it's definitely similar to what you were just saying as well. Um, yeah, for me, things, uh, the main thing for me this year has been to 
leave work um because I used to do 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., just constantly working, constantly working. So I've started, and still taking work home, but I've started leaving a bit earlier, so by 4, 4.30, unless there's something big happening, like a parent's evening or something like that, then I might stay a bit longer. But leave, come home, and just not do any marking or any planning, just leave things. Um, I still go to work at 7. I don't start until 8.15 but I still go to work around seven just to get ready because you, you have to um, and another thing that I, I failed to mention earlier was that um, with the whole um, not feeling that we matter if you've gone into this profession because you have a love for the children and you really want to give back I try to find activities maybe at lunchtime or um, at any point really where I can give back so we have clubs and we have games and we have mentoring sessions and because I also do mental health and personal development there's a lot of children who know me as that teacher and who will come to me and ask for advice and stuff and that helps in terms of uh, refilling my bucket, my satisfaction bucket, um, that help because otherwise you come home and you do feel apathetic. You do feel like, what is the point? I, I am teaching to the test. But when I do things like that, it helps. And also coming home and just letting it go and not bringing the children's problems or the school's problems with me, that helps me recharge and reset for the next day. Thank you for sharing that. So you ladies bring up some interesting points. Um, Jalen, you mentioned something that I probably need to do an entire series on. Um, mental health. And, and I want you both to chime in on this if you can. How was your mental health impacted by the day-in-day stresses of not only being a educator, but trying to be the best of the best because see it's 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 levels and and i don't yeah. think the general public gets this when so notice how i always use the term educator very rarely mm-hmm. do i use the word teacher i'll mention mm-hmm. teaching but rarely do i say teacher because yeah. anybody on this show i hope <laughs> anyone that <laughs> listens to this show i hope are educators When I think about a teacher, and I posted this on Instagram not too long ago, follow at uh, the Black Scholars Podcast on Instagram, I posted, there is a clear difference between a teacher and an educator. A teacher punches a clock, they're in, they're out, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, getting there right on time, leaving right on time. That's actually a self-care tactic, and and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But when you're not effective, you don't offer tutoring, you're not working with kids, you don't have lunch with kids. And I'm saying you have to do this all the time, but when you don't gen- generally um, genuinely get to know your students. You don't genuinely get parents involved or at least make some, some strong connections with at least some of the parents. If you're not doing those things, more than likely, you're a teacher. Yep, you're a teacher. I agree. You're you're not an educator. An educator is developing so much more than just the academics. An mm-hmm. educator looks for you ever had a discussion with your class and maybe it was a little bit off topic, but it was a real life lesson that you needed your students to know in that moment. Maybe it was something related to current events. 
Maybe it was something oh. historical. <laughs> I live for those moments. I can understand that. Yes, I live for those moments. So, again, back to the point here there's levels to teaching, the art and science of teaching. And so, mm -hmm. when you're trying to be the best, when you're trying to be highly effective, when you're trying to reach the core of that student and raise them to a much higher level than they would ever think is possible or their parents. Mm -hmm. and, and you're just watching them get that eureka moment and you're watching their growth assignment after assignment, day after day, project after project. They're getting it. They're actually learning and applying it at a high level. That is difficult work. It is. <laughs> like it takes... It takes serious preparation to, to, to be effective in that classroom. And so in that preparation, there's a lot of time. There's a lot of stress. Sometimes you get in the school extra early to set up everything. Sometimes you're leaving later because you're grading or, you know, you're working on the next day's lesson. It's a lot of work. How is your mental health impacted? by the day-in-day -day stresses of being a, a highly effective educator? Um, well, first off, I'll, I'll say this. I think it really helps. Like, I'm really fortunate to have had the support that I've had and the education that I've had um, because, like, when you say you're preparing for the day-to-day -day lessons and stuff like that, um, I like to do my job the best that I can. So I like to immerse myself in the content and really become well-versed at it. So I don't have to spend an exuberant amount of time planning, you know? So like, I love science, I love math. So it comes easier to me. And so teaching then doesn't take as much out of me, if that makes sense. Um, but I think the outside components of, like you said, standardized testing, um, the time allocated for PLC or stuff like that, that really becomes, um, inhibiting on your mental health or at least it did become on mine because I'm I've always been an advocate of holistic development like I have when I was teaching eighth grade I would teach you know the content that was traditionally um explained in the standards but I would do like crime scene investigation I would do mental health units like there were so many other things that I would do to expand their development um but I had to really advocate for myself and assure the administration that I would hit the standards, you know, um, and that test wouldn't be um, a concern. Um, but when so much time is allocated to data analysis, and it's important, I will completely agree with that, um, as opposed to holistic student development, that becomes bogging because you may know that you're doing right, but when others are saying, we got to allocate time a different way, you know, um, that can become a little discouraging to be completely honest because in the real world, we're not just punching numbers. You know, so there's things to consider and evaluate within that. Um, for me, it was this year especially, um, it really affected me because the um, standardized testing for the French um, exam completely changed. So the first set of results came out in August and our department did quite 
poorly. We did we teach French and German, and our department didn't do as great. Obviously, it's the first year, so we're still adapting, still finding things, but that doesn't translate really well with management. So we had a lot of class observations and a lot of intervention and measures that were put in place, and that was stressing uh, our head of department, who passed it on to us. So we were a very, very stressed department in September, which is when our school year starts. And that affected me really badly. And uh, it just carried on to the point where anxiety was just a part of everyday life. I, I would wake up and I would have to have an hour of calm and relaxation and that kind of music and encouragement before I could get out of bed. That's how bad it was. And then you get to school and then you have the children who are going through a lot of things I have children in my classes who are in foster care and they act up and and I, I understand you know you say something and they're not happy about it and they, they go crazy and you know where it's coming from so you're trying to give that care and attention but you're also going through a lot and you've got people in your class all the time trying to observe how you're doing your lessons asking for your lesson plans so that they can see how you've planned it and it has to be very meticulous I mean the kind of lesson plan they wanted to see it it takes an hour to prepare and I, I teach five hours a day so that's that's it was really difficult so I started seeing a therapist and that helped I paid for it with my own money and that was fine but that really helped for me to untangle things and she's the one who gave me the idea of leave work at work and and you know try to collaborate with other teachers so you can share lessons together and lots of different little tricks and tips but I am fortunate that I'm able to afford that I have some teachers in my department who have children and things are a bit tight financially they can't just say I'm going to pay 40 pounds 50 pounds I don't know what that translates to in terms of US dollars but to go and see a therapist every week they, they can't afford that and it's, it's quite difficult uh, the school has tried to put some measures into place they they've started uh, every week there's a bit of a gym um, session um, with a professional trainer that comes in there is a counsellor on site who's the counsellor for the kids but if you're going through a really tough time you can go and speak to that person so they are, are trying to put some things in place for people's mental health, but it really shouldn't come to the place where a teacher is suffering from anxiety so bad that it takes them an hour to gather themselves together to go to work and then have to do this every day consistently for three, four months. That's it's tough. I'm better now, but I'm OK. I'm thinking about the others who who had to leave halfway through the year, leave education altogether or go to another school thinking it might be better, but then you keep in touch with them and they say, actually, no, it's the same everywhere. So mental health is a big thing for the kids, but it's also a big thing for us, the educators. And to expand off of that, I completely agree. Um, when we think about the mental health of teachers, if we think about like the basic needs of us as humans, if we like aren't eating properly, if we can't afford certain things, or, you know, our safety is inhibited, all those different things, how can we be there for the kids to that capacity if our needs, you know, aren't being met? And that's something we have to, like, really delve into, because if we don't recognize that we need support or help or just time, we can't really... Yeah. That and that's sense. that's something that I wish I'd known sooner because on one hand I was struggling and on the other hand I was thinking about the kids and I was like 
like, well, this person's going through this and X, Y, Z. And it's a long list of kids. And I'm like, I have to be there for them because they definitely need somebody. And there's not that many teachers in the school who who have that, like you said, I think, Leonard, um, educator versus teacher, who have that mindset. And if I'm not there, it's like one less person that they can rely on. But it, it ended up, I think, two months ago or three months ago, there's a girl who came to my class and told me about her issues and stuff. And I, I broke down in front of the poor girl, 16-year-old kid in my classroom, explaining to me what she's going through I've got all of this load on me and I connected with what she was going through so much that I broke down and she's like oh miss I'm so sorry um, and I'm like no it's not you it's definitely not you but when it got to that point I was like okay Lane you need help because you can't break down in front of the kids like that's that's not professional and it's not helpful I could see that so you ladies bring up um very interesting points valid points um, and, and Jalen, you said that one self-care strategy that has become uh, almost religious to you, and I'm going to agree with you, is exercise. Can you go into that a little bit more into depth? And then after we talk about that, I do want to talk about therapy a bit um, as far as the mental health of, of educators, but could you go a little bit more into that, Jalen, of the importance of exercise and even nutrition and how it makes you feel and, and whatnot? Yes. So my mom's always been one to like advocate for healthy living and stuff like that. Um, she took a course when I was like, I want to say five or six and just something as simple as green machine, um, has always like impacted, um, like just how I looked at things and just seeing people in my family, um, whether they have cancer or diabetes or something along those lines, it's just always been a motivating factor for me um, to maintain a healthy lifestyle. But also knowing like when you release the different chemicals um, from working out to like taking a walk, get some fresh air. Um, all those things are just important to me. And like I said, like I embed that into my classroom too. And I have very open conversations with my children um, about that because they need to know that just sitting inside all day is not good. Um, and so something for me too, like I teach from like 7.30 to like 3.30 um, with a lunch that's about 30 minutes. So of that time, I personally don't want to just be sitting up lecturing at a class all day, you know? And so something that I embed into my classroom is a brain break. Um, statistically speaking, nobody's going to retain 100% focus um, for a 90 minute period. They're going to start dazing off, you know, different things like that. So that's something that I incorporate into my classroom, but also just in my personal life, if I recognize I'm stressed or I need a break, I'm going to go take a walk. I'll decompress, I'll put my phone down, go walk around my neighborhood, go to the gym, go jump out at a trampoline place, you know, I'll find different ways to release the energy and, you know, all that different type of stuff. But health is so important. And what you put in your body is even that much more important. Because if I'm eating junk food, I'm going to be tired and emotional and all those different things when I can just have a meal prepped um, meal and, and be totally fine. And I'm 100% an advocate of meal prepping. So... And, and, and meal prepping is a, a definitely a great thing, um, and I definitely believe in it. But I'm be honest with you, uh, Jalen. Um, hey, meal prep, 
when I meal prep and I try to meal prep for like uh, for the week, you know, like Monday through Friday yeah. for the school days, um, probably by Wednesday, I kind of want to I kind of want to shoot myself. I'm not lying. And, and, and <laughs> it doesn't and it doesn't matter how delicious the meal is, how much I marinated, sauteed, seasoned the, the meat or seafood or whatever I'm eating. I'm just being honest. I get tired of eating the same thing. Um, I hear that so much. Yeah. And my counter argument to that, um, I believe it's part of discipline. But to be honest, like when I first adapted or adopted meal prepping, I was so broke. Like student teaching, I was student teaching for a full year. Um, I had a grant to um, like cover some living expenses, but I was also out of state. So I had to figure out what I needed to do. And so meal prepping for me like started in the struggle in a sense, but it also showed me budgeting because I like to go out and eat out, you know, um, at restaurants and stuff. But if I can maintain the consistency in breakfast and lunch, then maybe dinner I can go eat somewhere mm. or I can make something fun, you know. So it's like that mental um, compromise, like give and take. But also I feel you <laughs> because <laughs> I've even had to start um, making multiple meals. So I would make yeah. like barbecue chicken and brown rice. And then I would also make like wraps you know like those mm -hmm. are my options for lunch so i can wake up and be like hmm i'm kind of feeling this today let me take this instead of feeling like oh this is so monotonous you know i'll take an extra 30 minutes to prep an additional option for me right. um and, and i can eat that at lunch or if i come home and i don't want to move you know i can have dinner prepped for me as well so it gives me more option it takes planning you know but right. it gives me that consistency but also that variety as well do you normally do it on Sundays, Sunday evenings, I would assume? Saturday or Sunday. I usually, okay. so like I'll wake up and I'll go to church. I'll have like a couple hours in between. And so I'll like decompress, listen to music and just whip up some food for like two or three hours. And, and so listeners, to piggyback on Jalen's point, um, that is an important self-care strategy is meal prepping. Um, one, to keep your keep your weight down, keep yourself in shape or to get in the shape. Um, also just from, uh, and, and, and please help me here, Jalen, since you're the chemistry teacher, like <laughs> how, how food processes in our body and our body's reaction to it. That's an example mm -hmm. of, of chemistry, right? It is how so, we process what we can pull out from the different yeah. components of our meal. So in my, in my old, um, school district, we're in a small town outside of Memphis near Navy base. And there's not many healthy options. So the quickest option, and although there are healthy options to purchase, you know, it was Chick-fil-A. And I can do a salad and I can do a, a, the Greek yogurt with the, the chicken noodle soup, which is delicious, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want to eat. I could do the grilled chicken. I didn't want to eat that all the time. Again, I get bored eating the same thing. I want to switch it up. And I smell the fries. I smell the waffle fries. And so <laughs> every at least once or twice, if I'm going there a week, I might say, hey, let, let's let's throw, a, let's throw a fry on there. Hey, let's. You got strawberry shakes, right? And it's like, yeah. I'm not supposed to be eating that, but I want to reward myself. And then maybe something uh -huh. really happened uh, in class that was awesome and student scores look good. I'm like, hey, I deserve so a strawberry yourself. shake. Yeah, I'll treat myself. <laughs> but like when it's... you do that on a frequent basis, and, and, and just being honest, coming back after lunch, and I still had two more classes, two or three more classes to teach, um, I felt sluggish. 
you know, or yeah. eating the fries, eating the carbs, eating the bread, um, the enriched bread uh, with the with the high fructose sugar and, you know, whatever sweet that I drink. Orange like, juice. yeah, it's honestly it something you. that always drives me crazy. I'm um, just from coming from a district that was title one, but still had a little bit more privilege um, to a district that basically had nothing. Um, something that literally drives me insane is the access to things that are healthy. And fortunately, mm -hmm. there's a Sprouts down the street. Sprouts, I need to buy stock in. I need my own store because I live <laughs> and die by Sprouts. But, I love um, Sprouts, too. I I'm in with you. So, so I think through the example, like I will um, I'll model for my kids. I'm an advocate of lead, lead by example, truly. Um, and I will just try to um, maintain that healthy balance. Like I'll want to go out to eat, you know, I'll definitely do it. If I forget my lunch, which happens every once in a while, I'll be like, you know what? Let me just take some time to balance this. I'll have Chick-fil-A or whatever. But then I come home and eat, if I eat out, I have to balance it. Like if I didn't have vegetables or as many vegetables as I needed, I have to go back and counterbalance. But something that I personally tried, everybody's body is different. And you know, the way you process things is totally different. Mm -hmm. um, but when I noticed, I cut out as much meat, which may sound weird because you got to get protein and all this other stuff. There's other um, ways to get it, but I agree. Exactly. I completely agree. And so what I did is I would make breakfast burritos with like sausage or some type of meat, you know, and I had all these other um, components of lunch and dinner that were not meat. And I was like so energized until bedtime. And that was just something for me that I noticed. I could have fish. I was totally fine, like on the pescatarian. Mm -hmm. route for um i think i did it for a month my life was changed now you know i decided to like uh kind of bring things back in like reintroduce things um but you really have to try different things like experimentation is key to mm -hmm. figuring out what's good for you health-wise yeah and i think in terms of self-care as well you've got to find out what's good for you so if you have to find out what food are better for you or what kind of diet is best for you you've, you've got to you know try things take things out put things in so yeah i completely agree and the other thing side note which is, is related to it too i personally like sleep i don't like <laughs> up in the morning and put on makeup like that's just something that i do not invest in I'd rather yeah <laughs> Sleep is good. In and move on. So yeah. I live five minutes from my school, but I like sleep, like I said. So I meal prep. The main thing, too, is to get my sleep. I don't want to wake up and be frazzled and stressed and trying yeah. to whip something up really quick. Yeah. It makes my morning run a lot, a lot smoother. So I don't have to rush to work, be frazzled, kind of decompress from that. I can just have everything set and just go through a smooth day. You know, and I think that sets the precedent for my day. And I'm going to add to that. Um, if for breakfast, and, and I don't know how early every educator has to wake up, because obviously if you're teaching secondary, um, you know, my old school for the past five years, I had to clock in at 640. So I was oh up. My. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was oh, up. At, <laughs> I was up at five in the morning every single day. And if I hit the snooze and wake up a little later, 510, 515. So when I woke up that early, I the last thing on my mind was breakfast. I didn't want to eat uh -huh. at all. Um, I had to get ready. I had to go. I had to make my copies or do whatever I needed to do at school. But I will say this. 
if you can, so along with the meal prep, if you can um, either purchase or create your own of the, what are those, the organic uh, cold pressed juices, um, yeah. smoothies with lots of green fibrous vegetables. Again, I know everyone has their own body and different, you know, ailments that they might be dealing with and allergic reactions and whatnot, but um you know, fibrous greens. Um, I recommend like putting some type of protein in there. So for me personally, I use like an almond butter. Uh, you know, as long as you don't have a nut uh, allergy, okay. then you should be okay mm -hmm. with that. I also don't drink milk. I'm not lactose intolerant. I just did a lot of research that said I probably shouldn't be drinking cow's milk <laughs> in my 30s. Um, so I drink <laughs> almond milk. Um, so that goes in there as well. Uh, along with my almond butter, you can also use peanut butter if you like that. Um, and then, you know, as far as fruit goes, you know, um, you know, if you look at most diets, so whether it's uh, uh, keto or uh, paleo or the Whole30 or Dr. Oz's, um, um, uh, I forgot the name of his diet, but Dr. Oz has a diet. I mean, there's a billion diets out there, right? So, yeah. Mediterranean diet. Yeah. They don't really recommend a lot of fruit. And the reason behind that is fruit essentially contains fructose, which is sugar. Um, sugar. Yep. And, and, mm -hmm. and when your body breaks it down, it really doesn't know the difference. It's it's sugar. Um, yeah. So if you will have fruit, limit your fruit intake to, I think it's recommended one cup or half a cup per day, probably mm -hmm. a cup a day. Um, and, and the actual, the darker the fruit, the better for you. Um, yeah. So typically I'm going with the dark berry whether that's a blackberry or blueberry those are typically what i put in my smoothie so just just a few suggestions um for those who are looking for some quick options for breakfast in the morning or maybe you're not really hungry but you know and, and i believe in intermittent fasting maybe one of maybe one of you or both of you can speak on that um, i've done yeah. it before. i i it I works do that. it's effective it, it, I yeah, I skip breakfast very, very often. Um, and then I, I might have lunch or I might not have lunch and I've got a light dinner. And it helps to regulate my body because sometimes okay. I have problems with digestion and things mm. like that. But touching on what you said about fruits, I, I never knew that. Um, there's a big campaign here that started about 10 years ago where they're advocating for everyone to have five, uh, it's called five a day. So five pieces of fruit and veg a day. And a lot of people have, you know, three or four pieces of fruit and a bit of veg. Uh, but I never knew that. So that's that's news to me. Thanks for sharing. It's definitely 100 oh, yeah. percent true. Wow. It's yeah, it's crazy. But that's why like smoothies, people have really advocated for adding more or kale and, and mm -hmm. cucumbers and stuff like that. Yeah, see. Spinach. As opposed to strawberries, bananas, and pineapple. It's really good. Yeah. Right. yeah. The rest of the veggies come. I just thought people were just being funny, putting <laughs> spinach and stuff. I just thought that's disgusting. But it makes sense <laughs> now. It does. Thank you for sharing. I thought it was a good, you know, counteracting measure for smoothies with spinach. But. Okay. <laughs> oh, and a, a, a healthy food. Now, I don't get this all of the time because I hate the texture of it. But when I put it in the smoothie, I can kind of disguise it is yeah. avocado put avocado in your smoothies and that's a healthy fat so if your goal yep. is to let me increase my metabolism um you're doing intermittent fasting so that's kind of like your meal replacement 
I would mm-hmm. recommend putting an avocado on your smoothie. Um, there's not a much healthier food that I can think of than an avocado. I just hate the texture of it. I don't actually want to bite into it, but um, if you put it in mm-hmm. a smoothie, then you you rarely notice it's in there. So. I, yes. I put it on toast. I don't know if you guys oh, yes. have yeah. toast. Yeah, I, instead toast. of butter, yeah. I use it on toast and I put a bit of salmon, like smoked salmon on it. And it just, it tastes absolutely gorgeous. Okay. But um, in a smoothie, I'm not sure. But on toast, 100%. <laughs> I promise you, if you put anything like super green that's like grainy or like it tastes like nature, um, <laughs> put some pineapple or honey mm. or... Um, Blueberries are really good counteracting, and same with strawberries. Like, just put a smaller portion, but they're so powerful, it'll counteract it. See, I, I always do that with spinach and kale, but I, I never thought of because because uh, avocado is so um, silky, or I don't know what, mm-hmm. what happened, yeah. the texture. So yeah. I just never thought. But yeah, thank you. It's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good idea. Absolutely. So, um, so Lang. You mentioned mental health and you also mentioned therapy. Have you had experience with with going to therapy since you've been an educator or? Yeah. So I only started this year. I started in January because I had a, a, a bit of a crisis. Um, not, a, not a massive one, but I, I was breaking down and um, I was considering leaving the profession, like quite a few things. And um, somebody that I I'm quite close to suggested going to therapy and I don't know what it's like in the US but here we only think of therapy when when somebody's just you know completely broken down and that's when you, when you think of therapy you don't think of it as uh when when you're going for a tough time it's a good idea to have a therapist um but I did I started going and I haven't stopped and even though things are much better now I haven't stopped because it 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 really helps to just have that person who's um who's uh how can I say a professional but also quite warm and friendly that you can just say everything to so you don't have to think what are they going to think of me they might judge me or whatever you say everything to so if I'm stressed at home or stressed at work the therapy really does help because I could just leave it with her and then go back home and not think you know if it's a friend it's nice to speak to a friend but when you go out and you know you want to have a meal and stuff they know all of your business sometimes it's hard to just just separate that whereas with a therapist you know you just come in you know what you're there for you just share everything offload um she gives you a few things to work on and then you leave so that that's been my experience with therapy i'd recommend it to everybody and let me ask you this lane when you were looking for a therapist was was the therapist you go to recommended to you or what what criteria were you looking for uh, and a potential therapist? Um, I was looking for three things, really. I was looking for somebody of faith because I'm a, I'm a Christian and I wanted to be able to share things from the, the point of view of a Christian as well. So I wanted somebody who'd understand. Um, and I also wanted a woman because I, I just didn't want to feel embarrassed or awkward about sharing certain things. And I wanted, and that might sound a bit funny, but I wanted somebody of a similar background to me. So um, a black woman <laughs> or somebody who, who was from a minority, simply because some of the things that were stressing me were to do with uh, being a minority and things like that. So I wanted somebody that I wouldn't have to explain why I feel that way. They would just know 
uh, why certain comments or certain attitudes would make me very upset. Uh, so these were the three things I, w- I was looking for. I started looking on the internet at first, but there, is, there are so many people and there's just so many things that I ended up just asking around. And it was um, somebody who recommended me, uh, this lady, and she said, she's really good. She's worked with other people. So, so basically my mentor uh, recommended this lady to me. She said, she's really good. She's worked with other people that I mentor and, and they've been doing great. So have a go. And my mindset was just go and have a go for six weeks and see what it's like. But from the first day, I just really got on really well with her and I just stuck to her. But if somebody doesn't feel like they can get on with that therapist, you can try other people. I mean, you can try. It's a service. So you can go somewhere else and try with other people. That's how you find the best fit, really. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Um, I saw a therapist probably within my second or third year of teaching. And I was looking for... um, So therapist I ended up with was a a black woman. It didn't matter if it was a man or a woman. Just just like you said, I wanted wanted an African-American. You know, just somebody that looked like me. Someone who could share uh, similar experiences. If I was being open and honest, which I would help, you know, hope anybody would be, um, during therapies that you're honest and candid is that, you know, there would be no judgment if I, if I said mm. something, um, you know, if I just, you know, said, you know, uh, you know, who was president then Bush, one of the Bushes, I don't know. Bush is an idiot. You know, they wouldn't look at me like, Hey, wait a second. What do you mean by that? Yeah. You know, they'd be like, oh, okay. I get it. I understand. Um, cause we have, you know, similar background so um definitely um highly recommended why do you ladies think that there are few and far between uh as far as educators who actually receive therapy on a consistent basis why do you why do you think that is and, and what can we do anything about it simply oh, oh go ahead yeah, for, for me, it was two things. It was money and also thinking that the mindset that therapy is only for when you are going through a, an absolute crisis and you might be sectioned or something like that. You might have to go to uh, an asylum or, you know, that that's when you need a therapist or when you're going through something very big like bereavement or a divorce or something like that. Whereas the day-to-day anxiety and the day-to-day depression, they don't require a therapist, especially if they're quite expensive. So that's, that's for me I completely agree with what she was saying um, I think money is the main thing um, from the districts that I've been um, a part of they have benefits and those benefits only extend to like six sessions so you may be interested in, um, in partaking in that but once the six sessions are up you can either continue to use your own money or maybe you you know quote unquote figured it out Um, And like she said, also, um, counseling has this like stigma that it's only for major events um, Mm. that have been taxing on your mind and soul. And so other things like mental health maintenance is, you know, kind of pushed to the wayside because they think it's only for like bereavement and and a divorce or a major breakup, something like that. So. Interesting. Well, I hope anyone listening to the podcast um, as we go into a new school year and and you're hearing these tips that that we're giving you on self-care. Again, it doesn't have to be an essential 
crisis, if you will. Uh, you don't have to be going through, what is it, well, women in their 40s go, uh, menopause. You don't have to be going through menopause. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, an aging um, male and what will the males go through? Um, midlife crisis. Like, it doesn't have to be anything <laughs> like that, you know? It doesn't have to be anything like that. Sometimes it's just good to be able to have a conversation with a mental health professional Um if things are starting to bother you, if you're feeling anxiety, if um, if you're starting to start feeling burnout, if you're not liking your career as much as you used to, if you find yourself second guessing, why am I going back to this school again? Like uh-huh. that might be a red flag internally that you might need to um, speak with someone. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to just put that on your, you know, significant other or your, your family members or your friends, because unless they're in the industry of education, um, it's going to be hard for them to relate. Um, just being honest, it's going to be really hard yeah. for them to relate because uh, they have one perspective of what education is and what it's like to be with, you know, hundreds of, of kids every single day and deal with the adults and the the parents and, and whatnot um, versus someone who, you know, is a mental health professional and they they've seen it all. You know, they've seen everything. So um, I, I do highly recommend that you go seek therapy. It can be expensive. Um, as, as, um, Jalen said, you know, there are some programs out there that are limited, you know, you get six sessions or whatever, and that's pretty much it. But maybe those six sessions might open something up or reveal something or help, um, start the process to resolve something internally. Um, also don't be ashamed to, and ladies don't laugh at me when I say this, don't be ashamed to go to Barnes and Noble in the back, or at least the Barnes and Noble I go to in Memphis is all the way in the back. Those <laughs> self-help psychology books, some of them are really, really helpful. I'm actually reading yeah. one now. Um, nothing's wrong right now, but I just felt the need to just read. And, uh, I wanted to read something that, um, would help improve my, my mental health. Cause I mean, you know, like we, we ignore it like physically. Okay. Something feels weird with my elbow. I have a pain. Hopefully you're going to go to the doctor, right? Everyone, everyone can agree to that. Go to the doctor. Something's wrong, wrong with your elbow. But when it's something internally, we ignore it. We ignore it. We ignore it, especially during the school year where we're super busy and, and, and you're coaching or sponsoring a club. You're doing tutoring and you got faculty meetings and you got uh, POCs, professional learning communities and you got professional development and you got lesson planning to do. You got a great essays. You got a great projects. You got to, you know, just just too much. You got too much on your plate. It's so easy to ignore that. I'm stressed out right now, and I'll be honest, I love this show. Um, a lot of teachers, excuse me, educators, their coping <laughs> mechanism, actually both, teachers and educators, our coping mechanism is to drink, and we drink <laughs> away. And I know I've seen the research, too. A glass of red wine a day is good for your heart and, and cardiovascular system. I know. I've seen it, too. I say, ooh, good. But we're <laughs> yeah, not just drinking one. <laughs> we're not just drinking red wine. We're not just drinking one glass. And, you know, my, my friends, my colleagues, my peers, my cohorts, 
I've been around them and they have developed a nasty habit. And yeah, I've seen the same thing. They're hiding something. They're mm-hmm. they're they're trying to treat something and and you know uh, I, I'll save that for another episode. I don't want to get into the fact that teachers and educators have slowly become alcoholics, but um, <laughs> I, I, I just honestly, I think we're we're headed that way. And I think if we um, did go see a therapist um, like like Lane is doing, that we wouldn't be so dependent on alcohol. Um, and I don't yeah, think I've that there's anything wrong with that one. But. I've replaced alcohol with netflix so i'm more a netflix nice. addict now i just distract myself with it rather than wine nice <laughs> netflix know, good, is a but... good yeah yeah nice honestly i think with that like i know you said it's probably going to be another episode um i think just after teachers have said, had such a long day they're like oh let's go to happy hour mm-hmm. you know like the community events or like mm-hmm. the staff events I've so it's there. really important to see it and just me just because i'm a I'm science person you know I think it's easier. I've also witnessed people like have drinking problems and things yeah. that it had done. To them. Um, but seeing the science behind it, yep. I steer clear from it just because yep. like, and the health reasons too. Like you put on, you drink too much. You can easily put on weight, at least for my Oh, easily. It's but, sugar. It's sugar. <laughs> exactly. It's sugar. It's pure so, sugar. Like, for me, it's just like coffee and alcohol. I try like, I'll go out and have a good time every once in a while. But I don't want to just, yeah. like, drown my feelings because yeah. I've been fortunate enough to, like, learn from others. You know, like, I haven't had to walk through that in particular. Um, but it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had because, Ooh. again, they don't have enough time. So why not make the most of it? Let's go have a drink, you know. And I think that's why so many people have become used to that. And and, and I, I have not heard that conversation ever. Ever. No. In education, but and I find it funny because we just broke up on Friday, so we've just ended the school year on Friday. And the natural thing to do is to go to the pub. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if you have those, but we, mm-hmm. we just go to the pub and just like a few beers, and it turns into quite a lot. And we, we've got a drink here called Prosecco, and, and that's what every teacher drinks. Like any event, whether it's parents' evening or whatever afterwards, which drink and um i'm I'm not a big big drinker but that's the culture so you don't even see it as alcoholism not at all it's just it's just a norm yeah i completely agree because it's not like everybody's getting drunk it's, no, just, it's just you drinking. know it's like you're just going socializing so it's a norm yeah yeah that i think that will be uh, a really good episode to hone in uh, on and I'm actually I'm gonna post that on Instagram really really soon. <laughs> I just want to see uh, any interest. Would anyone be interested in one hearing? And then uh, it'd be interesting to see anybody wants to be on that particular show. But I do think that's a conversation that needs to be had in education, uh, and I'll benefit all educators because you know my my colleagues, my cohorts, they're not all black and brown. There there is a well diverse group. And um, happy hour is their number one go to. Um, they could, you know, got into it with admin over a, a observation or over a misbehaving student or a parent or it could be anything. And it's just like, you know what? We're we're going. We call them PLC after school PLCs. It's like we're gonna do an after school PLC at the. Uh, 
at the local uh, Mexican restaurant. And, you know, you yeah. go to a Mexican restaurant, you're a teacher. There's margaritas all around the place, right? Exactly. Like, give, us the, give us the nachos, the tortilla chips, and margaritas for everyone. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of stopped. As I've gotten older, I've stopped hanging around uh, my colleagues as much when I do that. Simply because, well, one, I've got a weak um, alcohol tolerance, which is funny if you've ever seen me because I'm about 6'1", 220 pounds. And you're like, what? You can't drink? It's like, no, I can drink. I'm just a really weak drinker. I'm a very weak drinker. Very weak drinker. Um, after one drink, uh, literally, my tie is uh, is coming off and shirt buttons are getting unbuttoned. And yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I don't drink. I don't drink much. I'm a very weak drinker. But yeah, very interesting point. Any last self-care uh, tips to help prevent educator burnout you ladies would like to leave with the audience? Pay attention to yourself, mm-hmm. sleep, and try to do something fun or find something fun to enjoy every day. It doesn't have to be extravagant. If it's just watching a little show or like, watching a soothing video or dancing around do it make time yeah i think that and also it it doesn't just happen you won't just wake up and feel like taking care of yourself you have to plan for it whether it's a small activity like jaylen just said just one thing to make you happy or smile or you're planning like a weekend getaway or something but if you don't think about it and be proactive it just won't happen just doesn't happen Amen. (laughs) And the only other thing I would recommend besides uh, reading uh, Don't Kill Yourself books at the back of Barnes and Noble um, (laughs) would be a physical activity. um, And that's going to be to each his own. So for me personally, I like playing basketball. Um, I enjoy doing kickboxing. It's a great workout. I love doing kickboxing. Um, I love going to the park, especially when the weather is really nice. Um, And I can walk and jog and sprint and do whatever I want to do in the park. Um, I love going bowling. So some type of physical activity, hobby, sport um, that's healthy for your body, that gets you out in the sun, Get your heartbeat, you know, up, elevated. You know, I highly recommend that. Um, and, and try to do it during the actual school week. I think if you leave work on time, which means that you're maximizing your planning time, um, I recommend this, but maybe I shouldn't. I actually work during my uh, lunch period, so I have more of a, a eating, working lunch. Um, I don't just sit there and eat. Because it doesn't take me very long to eat. Um, I don't usually eat very heavy lunches because I don't want to feel sluggish. So I kind of work through it. Um, And also my planning. You know, a lot of my peers, when they're planning, um, they want to just catch up and talk about the latest episode of Riverdale or whatever they're watching. And I'm like... (laughs) Uh, this is great conversation, but I got copies to make. I got some papers to grade. I have some work to actually do. Um, And so I just try to maximize my time and be effective with my time as well. So I think really the key thing is just being more organized. Just be more organized with the meal prep. Get your clothes ready. um, Do laundry consistently. Keep a clean house. 
keep a clean uh, desk if you can, um, you know, clean car, like all of that makes a, a difference. It's like the more organized I am, the more effective I am. I'm not losing things. Um, and I'm just more no, confident no. as a professional. Yeah. I agree. A hundred percent. What can I say? Mamba out. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes go to blackscholarspublishing.com. You just gotta go. You will never know what you could ever be. If you never try, you will never see. Stayed in Africa, we ain't never leave. So it was no slaves in our history. Were no slave ships, were no misery. Call me crazy, or isn't he? See, I fell asleep.